Welcome to Nutrition Without Compromise, a podcast brought to you by Orlo Nutrition. We believe that nutrition shouldn't be an either-or, that you should never have to sacrifice your morals for your health or that of our home planet. Join natural products veteran Karina Belizzi and experts from around the globe as they discuss healthy solutions that are better for you and better for the planet. Thanks for joining me today for another great discussion around nutrition and health without compromise. Today, I'm joined by Tia Morrell Walden, a fellow podcaster who co-hosts Obsessed with Humans on the Verge of Change. She is a holistic nutritionist and integrative nutrition health coach who's devoted to empowering others and their discovery of what foods work best for their individual makeup. Tia has a best-selling book. It's called Obsessed with Mindful Eating. It's a heart-centered approach to nutrition, and in my personal experience, is a bit of a page-turner for anyone interested in this space. While we get to know Tia and learn from her expertise today, this won't be the last time you hear from her on the show. Tia will be joining me as a co-host from time to time, so today's interview also serves as an introduction to the person who will be a companion in some of our future shows, including in an interview that we host with the amazing Dr. William Lee, who wrote Eat to Beat Disease. Dr. Scott Fulbright, who is a premier researcher in the world of algae, and Dr. Vimal Thomas-George, who is a physician with a different take on how we can all reach health. Tia, welcome to the show. Hello, Karina. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm so happy you're here with me. I feel like we get to kick off an amazing adventure here together. We hear a lot about mindfulness in today's busy world, but you expand on this to talk about that heart-centered approach to eating. So I'd really like to just get a better understanding of what led you on this path. Why did you decide to write a book? What has your health journey been? Yes. Okay. So writing this book really stemmed from a personal need. The book was something that I needed not only in the beginning of my journey, but I have found out I've needed it throughout as challenges have come up and life circumstances have changed. And I believe that we all start our health journey before it becomes a conscious decision that we actually invest in. And for me, when I was a young girl and teen, it really stemmed from an external motivation. I wanted to be skinny and I thought that health was solely based on not having disease or illness and being a specific weight and being told by the doctor, you are healthy. I didn't recognize it at the time, but as I was in my college years and I was really living out the repercussions of unhealthy lifestyle and habits, I had gained weight and I started suffering heavily from anxiety and depression, insomnia, lack of concentration, and overall a low quality of life. I was prescribed medications from the doctor to fix these symptoms that I was experiencing. And I was told I would only need them for a short period of time, that they would make me feel better and that I was perfectly healthy. Yet as time went on, the dosages really started increasing. The symptoms I felt were getting worse and I did not feel my quality of life going up either. I was internally knew that there had to be another option. And so that's when I decided to take it into my own hands. I was doing research and really took back my health. I started on my personal development journey that led me into holistic health and holistic nutrition. I empowered myself through nutrition, lifestyle, habit, 
environmental changes that served myself, served my body and my inner being. And becoming a holistic nutritionist really bridged that gap between nutrition and personal development for me. I now can recognize how interconnected my health is with my food choices and my personal growth. And I want to share that with everyone and whoever is willing to listen so they can feel empowered as I have been. Well, I just think that's the perfect note with which to start this entire podcast because and I'm not just talking about this show. I'm talking about the whole thing because the, the resounding theme that people are going to hear from us and from the guests that we have on this show are really around taking your health into your own hands and the sorts of things that you can do to live your longest, healthiest and more fruitful life. And so I just love that. I love that juxtaposition. And I think many of our audience members are going to relate to that story of being that 16-year-old. Now, I know when I had the chance to interview you on Care More Be Better, which is my other, my first podcast, so to speak, I asked you a question that I want to ask you again here. And that is, you know, if you had advice now to give that 16-year-old girl, what would it be? I would tell her to really get curious about what health means to you. Don't listen to the social norms just because everybody's doing something or everybody's following something doesn't mean that it's normal. It could be common, but maybe it's not what fits you. And really look her in the eyes and let her know that she is enough as she is and who she is today. Well, I love that. And the reality is, I think most teenagers, male and female, could benefit from hearing that because you know, you're constantly comparing yourselves, especially with the advent of social media. You see people on TikTok or on Instagram living what they portray as this like perfect life and perhaps even the perfect body that they may have spent some time with some auto-tune for faces on and things along those lines. So they're showing you a different picture than is the reality. And so I think it's important to keep that in our in our mindset as we even approach how we eat and the sorts of things that we do in our daily lives to promote health. So I know that as we architected this show, one of the things we talked about was what nutrition without compromise means to us. And so I thought I'd offer you the floor for a minute to, to just express that. Like, what does this mean to you? And, and what do you hope to also gain from being a part of the show? Nutrition without compromise means taking in accountability my whole person. So that means my physical health, mental health, emotional health, and even spiritual health without compromising any of those areas for another one and without compromising the health of our planet. I think it's so important to be mindful about what our daily choices are is doing, what our daily choices is doing to the planet that we live on. We only get one of these we need to be careful with what we're doing and ideally leave the world a better place than when we came into it. And I hope to gain a new perspective and add to my perspective and hear other perspectives from people who may differ from mine to challenge the things that I currently believe in so I can get a broader understanding of what is health because I think health is ever-changing. It is not a destination. It's something that is going to evolve with time as I evolve and as I hit different seasons in life. Well, I know I'm not in the same season of life as you are. <laughs> I think I'm a couple of decades ahead. And as it stands right now, the challenges that I face may be different than those that you face. 
but guess what? I've probably been there too. And so one of the things that I wanted to talk about is while we also mentioned the fact that, you know, you shouldn't necessarily be comparing yourself to everyone you see on Instagram, that doesn't mean you can't learn from other people around you. And so we live in an age today where so much information is available in the online sphere. Like you can go, you can research just about anything from a nutrition perspective, but a lot of the information out there is really kind of complicated and not necessarily always presented with complete truth. Like a lot of people are trying to sell something, they spin it up and create something that may sound like you need it, but you may not. So I wonder if you have any tools in your experience thus far of like how you're advising from this holistic nutritionist perspective so that they don't fall prey to some of these like magic pills or magic bullets that are being sold out there. Yes, I think that's so important. And it really comes down to being mindful about what you're consuming, right? Knowing what resources you are using to do your research in and being making sure that your mind is open and being curious, but also kind of having that red flag alert and listening to it when something kind of doesn't hit you the right way. Because we have to remember that health is individual for each one of us. Something may truly be working for this person that you are following on Instagram, right? But that doesn't mean it's going to work for you. And so if we're able to keep that in mind, we can be curious about the current behaviors and habits that we have around food and really take in information that we're finding and experimenting with it, right? We don't need to make this massive decision and change overnight what we're doing. We can just take in consideration, experiment with it for 30 days or so, see if it fits with us and our individual makeup and either run with it or kind of ditch it behind. Focusing on going back to the basics is so important in my eyes too. Focus on those whole foods, less processed foods, and be aware if something feels salesy, it likely is salesy and they're (laughs) likely trying to sell you an end product. They're likely selling you that photoshopped picture of this before and after that may not be an actual before and after. It could just be somebody posing a little bit differently. And if we're able to identify that and really not judge ourselves for not being where that person is, we can take a look at how can I better my health through these outside resources, but still tap into that inner knowing. Because I do believe that we all have that wisdom within us to know what's going to be better for our health than anybody else. Well, in your book, I just want to point to a couple of things because I think they'll be helpful for anybody listening. And while they might not go and get a copy for themselves, I think they can benefit from this specific suggestion, which is stop doing these four things, Mm. comparing, criticizing, complaining, and competing. What made you choose these four? It goes back to that low quality of life that I was really feeling for many years And I realized a lot of it stemmed from those four things. Comparing myself to others, I was either not measuring up or I was trying to make people not measure up to me, which both do not feel good in the long run. And when we are constantly looking at what don't I have and complaining about what am I lacking, we're not seeing what we do have and we're not being grateful for those things that we are in our lives that is currently benefiting us and having us thrive in ways that are more fulfilling if we start focusing on those. Well, I think we've done it, Tia. We've covered much of the content of your book and now we can just talk. (laughs) (laughs) 
So, you know, I feel like there are a few things I want to just kind of hash out with you and get your perspective on and, and really just share my thoughts too, because I think as people are listening to this show thus far, I mean, we're about 15 minutes in, they've likely heard hey, I need to be eating right. I need to be paying attention to my whole self and not just myself that's sitting there and sitting down to eat a meal with my family or solo. I need to be thinking about the whole picture. That's one thing. Now, a very popular diet out there has been the Whole30. And I want to both get your opinion about what you think about the Whole30 and also offer some insights that I've had from participating in it for a couple of stretches as well. So what do you think of the Whole30? I think it's a great way to get in the mindset of eating whole foods again, right? I think that our food system has really incorporated these food-like substances that aren't benefiting us. And the Whole30 diet is helping us incorporate those whole foods again. It's helping us take a look at, okay, what are my vegetables? What are my fruits that I'm getting in? And kind of reintroducing that habit. And I love anything that reintroduces the habits of going back to the basics that we kind of mentioned before. Right. I think that it can be problematic for some people when they feel really restricted or on this regiment diet, because that feels not like something that is sustainable for life. It feels like I can fall off of it and I can do something that's bad or I can fail at it. And those negative mindsets really contribute to a poor health overall. So I think it has its benefits and I think it really depends on the person. Well, one of the things I like about the Whole30 is that they're telling you something throughout the book and throughout the program. If if you go and look at their website or subscribe to any bit of their offerings. I mean, I just picked up the book because that's easy enough. I have it on Kindle and I have the physical copy because I wanted to share it with my partner. And so as I perused it, the thing that they were throwing at you in several different arenas without beating you over the head with it was that you really needed to resensitize yourself to sugar. And we forget about the fact that, you know, ketchup is got a lot of corn syrup in it as a, for instance, Mm. or that even things like the peanut butter that we might use has often quite a bit of sugar in it. And also some things that are not great for the environment, including palm kernel oil to essentially homogenize it so that we've got something that's always spreadable. And so what they do in this book and in the whole program is really get you back to a whole foods lifestyle and it addresses even those condiments. So you might start making your own salad dressing. You might start making your own mayonnaise. I started making my own mayonnaise. It's easy. My kids like it just as much, if not more. I can choose the acid to be a vinegar that can kind of lend a flavor to it if I want or lemon, or I could do something a little bit differently with what oil I might use. I could use walnut oil or avocado oil. And then I'm not just getting a bunch of soy oil that's bottom of the barrel and GMO. So I'm able to address my nutrition in a different way. But one of the things that I think the book and the program tends to get a little wrong is this overwhelming focus on getting to a really high fat diet. And so I just wanted to offer my perspective on that. And I'm sure that this would be a bone of contention for anybody who really supports the Whole30 program. But it's essentially a diet that's trying to push you into a keto state more frequently to get to a ketosis so that your body burns fat instead of sugar. But the problem with the diet as a whole is that it doesn't really tell you that you should 
perhaps limit some of those saturated fats and not get all your fats from these more vegetative or liquid sources. And what people will notice if they like just decide to fry everything in bacon fat, as a, for example, is that suddenly, you know what, their hands might get a little stiff, their joints might not feel so good. This is actually inflammation in the body. And when you put yourself in this space where you're consuming a lot more fat, but not necessarily the right fats or in the right balance or in the right quality, then somehow you just get thrown off kilter. So anybody who decides they want to embark on this diet, I think it's a good exercise. Try it for 30 days, try it for 60, reintroduce foods, decide which foods you're more sensitive to, maybe eliminate some of the grains that embed in your diet all along for the long term. It will probably help you be more healthy, but also consider the types of fat you're consuming. So that would be my major advice to anybody. And I also think, you know, you can approach the Whole30 from a vegetarian perspective. And so I'm not going to go on some plant-based bandwagon on this show. I'm an omnivore. I think there's a spot for really healthy foods from all sorts of arenas. I also think we can do so more responsibly. So I'd love to get your take, given the context I've just provided, of how you might approach something like the Whole30, perhaps a little differently. Yes. I think that, first of all, I want to go back to that sugar and uh, the unhealthy fats part of it, because something I like to teach people is being aware of this pleasure trap, I call it, through these food-like substances, right? These highly processed foods. They made their way into our food chain and they're deceiving our nervous systems. These foods have been engineered to be addictive in ways that were we were not exposed to generations before. Mm-hmm. And prior to now, like our taste buds, prior to now, our taste buds were evolved to find the most valuable foods. And that was what we were made to survive off of. Now these highly addictive foods with artificial flavor enhancers, these chemicals that we can't pronounce and all the sugar added to it, that is what our taste buds are quote unquote thinking is the best food, right? We are craving that. And in fact, those are dangerous for our survival. And so if we go back to what you're saying, the whole foods perspective of nature did set us up for success. It did not set us up to fail, but we have to be very conscious of rerouting our taste buds back into craving those whole foods rather than those foods that are highly, highly processed. And we can do it if we take that time, if we take that 30-day experiment that you're recommending. Our taste buds will change in that 30 days. Oh yeah, it happens fast. Right, we won't find those chemically enhanced foods as tasty. We will start craving that apple over that apple candy. Well, I'll give a for instance from my experience last night being a mom. I cut up a really beautiful ripe tangelo, which is like an orange, right? For those that don't know, it's like a really juicy orange. They're really delicious. I think much better than Valencia. That's just my personal opinion. But I cut it up for my son. He was asking for dessert and I said, eat this. And he looks at me and he's like, he wants candy. That's what he wants. You know, Valentine's Day was recent and he got, you know, some candy in his, you know, Valentine's and that's what he wants. He took a bite of the orange. He's like, oh, I didn't realize this is really sweet. This is dessert. I'm like, that's right. There's your dessert. Yes, right. Because our bodies do crave these sweets. They do crave these sugars, but they're craving the natural form of that sugar. Our brains just aren't there. We don't realize it until we satisfy it with that orange. But 
it's hard to get to that point when we've grown up on those artificial flavorings and those highly processed foods. Well, even things like stevia, while I think stevia is a much better option as a sweetener, it still sends kind of the same triggers to your brain, right? Given that though, it does not decrease your leptin sensitivity. And so this is like part of how the brain works to regulate when you're full. So if you eat foods that have, let's say, high fat and low sugar, your leptin sensitivity remains fairly good and your brain will tell you, oh, I'm full now. Okay, I don't need to eat more. But if all you eat is highly processed foods that have a lot of sugars in them and salt, then guess what? Your body's, the trigger doesn't get pulled. And a lot of that comes from eating a low fat, high carb diet, or and that carb could be anything from actual sugars to processed grains. So I think we all know this, like innately, we know like, oh, it's less healthy to sit there and eat the frozen pizza than it is to go ahead and make myself a beautiful salad with some egg and maybe some other things that are mixed into that to add some protein. You could use tofu, you could, you know, create a stir fry, you can make a pasta dish that incorporates all sorts of vegetables into it. So it's not just carb, but we get used to eating in this kind of really routine, fast and easy way, something that comes from a box or something that comes from the freezer and then just calling it done. So I like to say that by picking up something like a recipe book or something even like the Whole30 Diet, because they do share so many recipes, or your book, which has some really great recipes too, that you can get back into the kitchen, you can excite your taste buds, you can try something new, you can even start growing some herbs in your garden that you can incorporate into your diet and the cooking that you do and get excited about the food that you're putting in your body. Yes, I completely agree with that. And I think taking the time to look at how should I present my plate? Like what should I be eating for a meal? And recognizing that, you know, 50% of it shouldn't be carbohydrates. Maybe a fourth of it could be some complex carbohydrates that are healthier for us because our body does need carbs. Cutting out carbs is not the total way to go to hit optimal health. We need protein. We need carbs. We need healthy fats. So looking at our plate and asking ourselves, what do I want my plate to look like? And ideally it should be half of it or not more should be produce, right? We want our vegetables, our leafy greens, especially, and some fruits, and then adding some a little bit of protein, and then adding a little bit of carbohydrates, not making our protein and our carbs our main source of the meal. So we take the food pyramid that had been the mainstay for decades, and we flip it on its head right? We just don't necessarily go to saying, okay, your foundation needs to be fat because then you'll end up with gout and you'll have all sorts of other problems that are associated with consuming all of your calories from fat. A balanced diet, guess what? That's generally best, right? We evolved eating a variety of foods. And so changing up your diet and choosing something new. One of the things that I like to do now when I take my kids grocery shopping with me, which isn't every time, but sometimes I'll take them with me and say, pick something out that you've never eaten before. And I tend to do that from the produce section. Like that's when I ask them that question. And I remember the first time I did this with Benedict, when he was about three years old, he grabbed a Buddha's hand, which is a citrus. And it looks really kind of like an octopus swimming through water, right? And I'm like, what? First of all, I didn't know what a Buddha's hand was at that point. And second of all, I had no idea what to cook with it. So I had to then go explore and it became almost this 
this adventure with my son about how do we make this thing into something that we eat and enjoy. And he was so enthralled with the entire process, like to find out that all of the little hand-like things coming off were essentially the pith of the lemon. So if you wanted to do something like grate a lemon for its, what do you call it? Zest. You zest yes. it. You zest the lemon. And it'd be the perfect lemon to zest because it's got so much of that, right? So we ended up making a dish that was, I think, a lean chicken. And then we had enough left over that we actually used it again to make a garnish for the sorbet that we had. So it like became like this whole little adventure with this fruit that I'd had no exposure to before. So I think that putting that kind of adventure in our diets and and when we're focusing on our nutrition and our health, it can just make it more interesting and keep you engaged. Yes. And that's key, the engagement, right? Like being able to enjoy the process of cooking and eating is huge. And we can express that creative part of ourselves that doesn't necessarily get exposed to like in social media and just in diet culture in general we kind of get this black and white, very dry taste of what our diet should be. And that's not at all the case. We can have fun with it. We can experiment. We can get our families involved. We can have our kids start at a young age, actually showing interest in it and have their health evolve and even help their evolving of their health will even help us in the long run, get creative with it too, and evolve our own. Well, and then you just learn that you don't have to just go and get your kid a Snickers every time they ask for one because you've encouraged them to be adventuresome with their diet. So I just think that's really, really critical. Now, I want to talk about something that I'm a little passionate about and just hear what your perspective is when it comes to meal kit delivery systems Mm. and getting into the kitchen. So share your thoughts. I have tried a couple meal kit delivery systems. Um, They don't necessarily work for me. I understand the appeal behind them, especially getting people back into the kitchen and re-exploring that home cooking tendency. I love that aspect of it. But a lot of the ones that I have tried anyway, their recipes are really intricate. They were not as simple and straightforward as I was hoping they were going to be when I ordered it. And they're a little complicated for me to follow. I guess I'm not a huge recipe follower. I like to look at recipes for ideas and kind of go off of them. So I think that they have their benefit, but I firmly believe like getting out there, getting into the grocery store or having your groceries delivered to you separately, you're going to end up wasting a lot less food that way and be able to be more creative, but also adapt it to your unique taste buds and making sure that you are fulfilling your cravings in a healthy manner. Yeah. Well, I've had an experience with HelloFresh um, Blue Apron because I wanted to try a couple. I was just very curious about the model and also Misfits, which is a different style of market. Like essentially you can buy the not so beautiful looking fruits and veggies. But the thing that I had a hard time getting through was all of the packaging that's involved with each of these products. Like you're getting a box that's filled with ice packs and batting and other material. And sure, the box is probably made from recycled materials, but you're still incurring shipping and they're bringing it directly to your door. And the amount of packaging around each of the condiments was, in my opinion, a little ridiculous. I remember in one particular case, I had ordered like a Szechuan styled meal. And so they came with soy sauce and each of the soy sauces were these really cute 
plastic fish. And so they were squeezable and they were, you know, I had a little green lid and I could take the green lid off and squeeze a little bit and put the green lid back on. But there were like six of them for the dish. So, and I'm not talking about just like a sachet that you would peel. This was how they delivered soy sauce. And I'm thinking about the plastic problem that is our existence. I really worked to limit plastic in my own home. And I just felt like this was not the way you should build a subscription program. You might tell them, hey, you know, for this recipe, you should have a bottle of soy sauce in your house if you like these styles of meals. And then we'll give you everything else that you need to create it. So I think, especially when it comes to condiments, I had a problem with the packaging. And then the other pieces, as we talk about fats, like a lot of the recipes seem to be very fat laden, but also very saturated fat laden and not a lot of the liquid polyunsaturated fats. And that was just my experience. So, you know, it means that people are getting more of the solid fats, which guess what? They're solid. So they're less fluid and flexible in your body and less of the healthy fats, the omega-3s and omega-6s that might benefit your health long-term. So I don't think they're necessarily the healthiest option. I do like that they get you creatively cooking. And so I think sometimes that's just like the course that people need. And maybe it's a little complicated, but some of them do also have one pot recipes that can teach Mm -hmm. you to do something differently. I did learn for the first time from one of these meal kits that I could do my pasta differently where they actually recommended that you take something like chicken stock and some tomato paste and then fresh tomatoes and a bunch of different vegetables and put it in with the pasta dry, like in the same pot. And as all these things sauteed together and all their juices and and flavors became one and they became the sauce, the pasta itself was cooking. And it was so much vegetable matter in it that I was like, wow, okay, this wasn't just tomatoes. And here I am speaking as an Italian who was taught to cook Italian (laughs) food by her Italian grandmother from Sicily, right? So it was just a different way to do it. And I think in some cases better because it was one pot, one pot that was messed up and my food was ready in 30 minutes. I love that. I think that that is really important to be conscious of like the waste of the packaging, especially in these meal kit deliveries. I know for personal, I do use Misfit Markets and you actually can set your Misfit Markets ice packs and then the cooler container that they come in and give it back to them to reuse on a weekly basis. But that also takes an extra step, right? You have to put do it. And I don't necessarily know how many other people do take that extra step. That they did that. I, right. I just thought it was waste. And I was like, I don't know if I want to do this again. I just ordered once. And I was able to select a variety of fruits and vegetables from their list because I think they update the list each week with what's available at that time in your region. So I like the tech and the AI that's going into that because it's serving me something that at least isn't being shipped from like New York to California, right? It's coming from my relatively local environment and it's food that would be near expiration or, you know, a misshapen apple or whatever. And the food's perfectly good. My kids enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. We all did pretty well, but the extra packaging to me just seemed like, you know what, I'll go to my farmer's market instead. I'll bring my basket to farmer's market and I'll get my local fresh fruit. And and some of that is misshapen and it hasn't had to go to a misfits yet. So. Right. I love the farmer's market. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) You know, shop local and get local food that's in season that, you know, like grew recently off of a tree or out of the ground and is hyper fresh in those cases. Yes, I totally agree. I think that even knowing 
you know, going grocery shopping is it's a chore for people, right? They don't really want to go and do that. But if you take the time to kind of set up, what am I going to get at the grocery store? Get to know your grocery store and use the same one regularly. You can understand where your staples are and make it a lot quicker of a process. So it won't feel as such a chore and recognizing that 75% of your grocery store isn't necessarily whole foods. So you might not even have to shop 75% of it if you are looking for those more whole food based items. Yeah, except for maybe the spice aisle. I spend a lot of time in that aisle. I feel like my particular grocery store, the one I shop at, they have different sections for their spices. So like there's the Asian food spice Mm -hmm. section, and then there's the Mexican food spice section, and then there's this single spice section. And so it's like an entire aisle. It's like this buffet of spices that you could buy from any number of regions, which is pretty incredible. What supplements do you tend to recommend that people go to, or what do you even have in your own pantry to consume? Yes. I think that having that recognition that the food we are consuming doesn't have the same vitamin and mineral content that it once did. and But knowing that we do have the opportunity to use supplements and helping boost our health in these areas. And my go-to's especially right now, are a multivitamin, a DHA, omega-3, a vitamin D, and occasionally also getting in a vitamin C. It really depends on the season, I think, that you are in and listening to your body for what you need. And if you have the opportunity to, you can even go to your practitioner and ask them to do a panel on you to figure out what am I deficient in? What would I benefit from taking? And knowing that these your needs could change over time is worth investing in doing your research to find the highest quality of your vitamins as well and supplements. And I know Karina, you have a lot more knowledge in this area. So I'd like to pick your brain on it. (laughs) How do we know what supplements to choose? How do we know when the marketing is just trying to get us to purchase it versus actually getting us the highest quality? Yeah. Well, I'm allergic to spin. This is something I say in in a number of spots, but basically because I've just, as a salesperson slash marketer who's been in this space for a really long time, it's like, I just see through it so quickly. I don't fall prey to some of the practices that I see. You'll see a lot of supplements marketed online as magic bullets. And I think generally speaking, when you see that, you need to be skeptical. You know, if something says it's going to suddenly help you drop 30 pounds of stubborn fat from your midsection, probably not true. Now, there's a few supplements that I like to recommend everyone consider taking as part of their repertoire. The first being an omega-3. And the reason for that is simple. We don't get enough omega-3 in our diets anymore. Unless you're consuming fish two or three times a week, you probably aren't getting enough And even if you are consuming a vegan vegetarian diet and consuming things like walnuts, which have a higher level of omega-3 or flax seeds, which also have omega-3, they're in the alpha linolenic acid form, which isn't how your body necessarily uses it. It's kind of like eating beta carotene as opposed to getting vitamin A, right? So your body needs vitamin A. I can make some of it from beta carotene, but it's not probably going to get enough. Well, you go to fish, you get a direct source. You can eat fish to do that. But a lot of people are worried about eating fish because of toxins from our waterways, or they don't like the concept of overfishing, or they're worried about farmed fish and sea lice, or they hear about all these things that could be kind of getting in the way of wanting to consume fish, or they simply might not like eating fish. And so that could be it too. Or they're, hey, I'm a vegetarian. I don't want to eat anything with a face. 
All of that is fine, but you're probably not getting enough omega-3s. This magic available supplement to all of us, and that's algae-based omega-3s, right? You can get your omega-3s from algae. You can cut out the middle fish and go directly to the algae. That's where the fish get the omega-3 EPA and DHA from anyway. You mentioned that you're taking a DHA product. DHA is a powerful omega-3. It's half of the fat in your brain and eyes. So let me say that again, half of the fat in your brain and eyes. So this is why it helps to support visual acuity. It helps to support your brain health. People that take enough of this type of fat into their diets tend to have less worry about some key issues that some of us might face simply because we're not getting enough. So it's a reality that most of us are walking around deficient and we don't even know it. We're not getting enough omega-3s. Now you could go out, you could actually get a blood spot test for omega-3s. You mentioned getting tested. It can cost between about $25 and $50 to do that. You can look online for companies that will allow you to you know, prick your finger, put it on a card, send it in the mail, and you'll get your notice in a few weeks, right? And they'll tell you what your blood lipid levels are of omega-3s. You're going to find you're not getting enough. <laughs> That's just basically it, unless you're supplementing every day. Right. And so, you know, Orlo, who presents this show, we have incredible omega 3s available to us, not to be oversellsy, but these are from algae. They have phospholipids and glycolipids in them, which is the very things that make krill oil more absorbable than fish oil. Well, guess what? They get it from algae. So you don't have to take krill. I mean, it's just awesome and easy. And you can know that you're getting a product that's going to support your health. Now, the next one I always recommend is something in the green space. Most of us don't eat enough vegetables. We might say we do, you know, (laughs) that five or seven servings a day of fruits and vegetable looks more like two. Let's be real. Like even when people are doing a good job, they're they're probably consuming two or three servings of fruits and vegetables a day. So getting a good green supplement is always a good idea. Now, while some of that might come from algae in the future, you know, there's plenty of other products available out there as well. And then I like to always point people to probiotics because probiotics, once your gut is healthy, guess what? You're going to get more nutrition from all of the food you're eating. You could be doing everything right and have a gut that's out of balance, and you're not going to absorb the nutrients the same way. Our bodies are actually made up of more microorganisms than they are our own cells, which is a mind-blowing thing. Like you are, Mm -hmm. you're in an ecosystem. Your body is an ecosystem. It's like its own planet. And so the fact is that you have to feed your gut this healthy stuff so that you can actually digest the food that you're eating. And I mean, if you're not doing anything else for your health, go out and get some probiotics, you know, just make sure that you're getting them in your diet. You can do things like add fermented foods to your diet that will help support the probiotic nature of your gut. And I wonder what some of your favorites there might be, Tia, because I'm sure you eat some fermented foods. I do. Currently, I'm eating a lot of like yogurts and cultured yogurts and In the past, I really like kombucha. My mom makes her own kombucha. So that's my favorite because we are in control of how much sugar is going in there. We know exactly what products are going in because it is homemade. And also, I think just keeping in mind that we really do want to keep our guts in check because our guts are linked directly to the hormone levels in our brain. And if we don't feel like our brains are working 100% right, it could be a gut problem. 
You know, yep. it might not just be a lack of sleep or lack of concentration problem. It could be stemming from our guts. And there's more and more research out there that is backing that up, that the gut may be the first brain, not the yeah. second that our brain may be the second brain. Yeah. There's so many connections between the brain, our nervous system and our gut that, I mean, we don't know what we don't know. And that's the reality. It's pretty incredible stuff. This, I mean, I've read some of the science. I feel like every time I open a new journal and start to dig into the, the science around the gut, it's like my, my mind is blown again. So yes. I mean, it's incredible. And so one of the things that I have personally noticed if I go too grain heavy in my diet, I will start to feel this disconnection from my gut. Mm. I can't explain it another way. It's just like, I feel like there's not, like it's not connected to the rest of my body the same way. And as soon as I start to cut my grains back, everything returns to normal. I feel more connected to my gut. And so this is getting back to something that you said earlier, that we need to pay more attention to how we are doing you know, and if we learn to listen to our bodies, if we learn to listen to our entire being as we're approaching our daily life, that will be more healthy. Right. Because we truly are the experts of our own bodies, right? We have been with this body since birth. We know a lot more than that doctor or practitioner we might be going to. They can run tests on us, but they can't actually feel what is going on within us like we can. So if we mm -hmm. take the time to tap into that awareness and really listen to what it's telling us, we can achieve that optimal health throughout life and really adapt to those changes that come with changing season and different circumstances that we may not be totally prepared for or see coming. Yeah, that's exactly right. And then you also mentioned taking vitamin D. And I know a lot of people are talking about vitamin D right now, specifically for its immune benefits. But I also want to share, there is such a thing as getting too much. And the reason I want to put that out there is because if you aren't consuming a diet imbalance, like if you aren't getting enough green leafy vegetables in your daily diet, enough vitamin K, enough vitamin A, and then you're taking a lot of vitamin D, like 5,000 or more IU a day, then you could be absorbing a lot more calcium from your diet, but not having the spot for it to really go. So it could end up in your soft tissues. And that's not something we ever want to invite. So it's a good idea to get your levels checked from in your annual physical with your doctor. They tend to offer that as part of health screening to all women. It's part of my standard screening every year. And I've generally noticed that I'm a little low. The reason I'm low is because I have Mediterranean heritage. And even though I'm very pale, I apparently don't make vitamin D very well. I tan super easily, which is also why I don't spend as much time in the sun because I, I don't want to damage my skin, right? But I, I'm just not very good at building vitamin D. And so I have to get it from my diet. And I take a couple thousand IU a day. You know, Orlo is going to be coming out with an immune spray that contains vitamin D along with B vitamins and spirulina to help support your immune system. All these things together work to give you natural energy and also support your immune health. But again, not so much that you're taking perhaps too much for daily consumption. And so check your levels. It's always healthy, you know, to, to check in with your doctor make sure that you are getting the right nutrition. I've also gone through and done genetic screening. And so I don't know if people are necessarily open to this, but you can find out certain things about what you're predisposed to 
just by taking like a 23andMe test. And I didn't know that when I first took it. I chose to take it because I wanted to find out how much Neanderthal I had in me. I was just curious, right? I'd already taken the ancestry test and the ancestry test didn't tell me that much, but I took the 23andMe. They came back saying more Neanderthal than 33% of the population. Not a surprise because I'm also European and they were in Europe for a long, long time. So what I found is that they would have all these quizzes based on my genome type to ask for certain health patterns in your life. Mm. And so they've identified that certain people, for instance, are more likely to develop certain health conditions, or they're more likely to be deficient in CoQ10 or vitamin D or whatever. And they literally tell me that in my health profile. So then I could go to my doctor and have an intelligent conversation about, hey, you know, I found out I'm this genome type and that I might actually have a harder time absorbing CoQ10. Do I need to supplement with that and have the conversation with my doctor or even just like look at my levels and decide, yes, I'm going to go ahead and take CoQ10 because there's no downside to that. So again, this is the power of information. We live in an incredible age where so much is available at our grasp. We can take our nutrition into our own hands We don't need to necessarily always go to the doctor and run to them for every Tom, Dick and Harry thing because we know our bodies too. Yes, I love that. And taking it into your own hands like that and really jumpstarting your preventative care is so important because we really live in the age of a disease management system, not really a health care system. And a lot of diseases are being linked back to lifestyle and food choices. And so if we know more about ourselves, if we are being aware of our lifestyle, aware of our food choices, be it take that power back and really make the decision of how can I best empower my health today. And I know this is something we get into when we interview Dr. William Lee. So that will be a great segue for people as they learn a little bit more about what they can do to take their power back in their own health. Wow. Well, Tia, we've covered so much ground today. We really have. I feel like I could go on. So if I was to just simply ask you what you would leave our audiences with, what would you hope that they bring with them into their day from today's session? I would hope that people feel empowered knowing that they do have choices in how their health manifests in their life. I want people to feel the love out of health and the love out of making food choices, not the guilt and the shame and this heavy negative energy attached to it. Yeah, There can be creativity, there can be love, and there can be an excitement when we are taking health back into our own hands. That's right. Go into your grocery store with a creative mindset. You know, you mentioned this word a few times throughout today's show. You said curiosity probably five or six times. And this word has been on my mind for numerous reasons, but really because I think when we're in discovery mode, when we remain curious, when we admit that we don't know everything, then we're more open and we're, we're more likely to try new things and give a new recipe a shot or pick up that Buddha's hand and go, what can I do with this? I mean, all of that, the power of remaining in this curious state, I think is very health supportive. And so my wish for everybody this week is that they would take that mindset when they go to do their grocery shopping or when they enter their kitchen and decide, you know, what can I make today? What do I already have in my pantry and how can I use it differently? Tia, thank you so much for joining me today and in our future episodes. I so appreciate you. Thank you, Karina. This has been wonderful. Now, listeners, you can find show notes along with complete transcript on our website, orlonutrition.com and join us each week 
For future episodes, we are going to be interviewing Dr. William Lee in one of our first episodes. He is the author of Eat to Beat Disease. He also shares some amazing assets in that interview and information about future upcoming programs that he's offering for free. So stay tuned for that episode with Dr. William Lee and also future episodes with Scott Fulbright and Dr. Vimal Thomas-George. They will share with you key resources for how you can take your health into your own hands because nutrition should never be an either or and you should never have to compromise your health for your morals or for the health of the planet. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Nutrition Without Compromise. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to learn more, visit orlonutrition.com and join our mailing list. You'll gain access to complete show notes, features, and informative blogs because nutrition shouldn't be an either or.